Letter thirty three of Clarissa, volume one. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Julie van Wallichem. Clarissa Harlowe, or the History of a Young Lady, volume one, by Samuel Richardson. Letter thirty three. Miss Clarissa Harlowe to Miss Ho, Thursday, March 16th. Having met with such bad success in my application to my relations, I have taken a step that will surprise you. It is no other than writing a letter to Mr. Soames himself. I sent it, and have his answer. He had certainly help in it, for I have seen a letter of his, and indifferently worded, as poorly spelled, Yet the superscription is of his dictating, I dare say, for he is a former wretch. With these I shall enclose one from my brother to me, on occasion of mine to Mr. Solmes. I did think that it was possible to discourage the man from proceeding, and if I could have done that, it would have answered all my wishes. It was worth the trial. But you'll see nothing will do. My brother has taken his measures too securely. To Roger Solmes, Esquire, Wednesday, March 15th. Sir, you will wonder to receive a letter from me, and more still, at the uncommon subject of it. But the necessity of the case will justify me, at least in my own apprehension, and I shall therefore make no other apology for it. When you first came acquainted with our family, you found the writer of this one of the happiest creatures in the world, beloved by the best and most indulgent of parents, and rejoicing in the kind favour of two affectionate uncles, and in the esteem of every one. But how is this scene now changed? You was pleased to cast a favourable eye upon me. You addressed yourself to my friends. Your proposals were approved of by them. Approved of, without consulting me, as if my joys and happiness were of the least signification— those who had a right to all reasonable obedience from me, insisted upon it without reserve. I had not the felicity to think as they did. Almost the first time my sentiments differed from theirs. I besought them to indulge me in a point so important to my future happiness. But alas, in vain. And then, for I thought it was but honest, I told you my mind, and even that my affections were engaged— to my mortification and surprise, you persisted, and still persist. The consequence of all is too grievous for me to repeat. You, who have such free access to the rest of the family, know it too well. Too well you know it, either for the credit of your own generosity, or for my reputation. I am used, on your account, as I never before was used, and never before was the thought to deserve to be used. And this was a hard, the impossible condition of their returning favour, that I must prefer a man to all others, that of all others I cannot prefer. Thus distressed and made unhappy, and all to your sake, and through your cruel perseverance, I write, sir, to demand of you the peace of mind you have robbed me of to demand of you the love of so many dear friends, of which you have deprived me, 
and if you have the generosity that should distinguish a man and a gentleman to adjure you not to continue an address that has been attended with such cruel effects to the creature you profess to esteem if you really value me as my friends would make me believe and as you have declared you do must it not be a mean and selfish value a value that can have no merit with the unhappy object of it because it is attended with effects so grievous to her it must be for your own sake only not for mine and even in this point you must be mistaken for would a prudent man wish to marry one who has not a heart to give who cannot esteem him who therefore must prove a bad wife and how cruel would it be to make a poor creature a bad wife whose pride it would be to make a good one if i am capable of judging our tempers and inclinations are vastly different any other of my sex will make you happier than i can the treatment i meet with and the obstinacy as it is called with which i support myself under it ought to convince you of this were i not able to give so good a reason for this my supposed perverseness as that i cannot consent to marry a man whom i cannot value but if sir you have not so much generosity in your value for me as to desist for my own sake let me conjure you by the regard due to yourself and to your own future happiness to discontinue your suit and place your affections on a worthier object for why should you make me miserable and yourself not happy by this means you will do all that is now in your power to restore me to the affection of my friends and if that can be it will leave me in as happy a state as you found me in you need only to say that you see there are no hopes and you will perhaps complacently call it of succeeding with me and indeed sir there cannot be a greater truth and that you will therefore no more think of me but turn your thoughts another way your compliance with this request will lay me under the highest obligation to your generosity and make me ever your well-wisher and humble servant clarissa harlowe to miss clarissa harlowe these most humbly present dearest miss your letter has had a very contrary effect upon me to what you seem to have expected from it it has doubly convinced me of the excellency of your mind and of the honour of your disposition call it selfish or what you please i must persist in my suit and happy shall i be if by patience and perseverance and a steady and unalterable devoir i may at last overcome the difficulty laid in my way as your good parents your uncles and other friends are absolutely determined you shall never have mr lovelace if they can help it and as i presume no other person is in the way i will contentedly wait the issue of this matter and forgive me dearest miss but a person should sooner persuade me to give up to him my estate as an instance of my generosity because he could not be happy without it than i would a much more valuable treasure to promote the felicity of another and to make his way easier to circumvent myself pardon me dear miss but i must persevere though i am sorry you suffer on my account as you are pleased to think for I never before saw the woman I could love, and while there is any hope 
and that you remain undisposed of to some happier man, I must and will be your faithful and obsequious admirer. Roger Solmes, March 16th. Mr. James Harlow to Miss Clarissa Harlow, March 16th. What a fine whim you took into your head to write a letter to Mr. Solmes to persuade him to give up his pretensions to you. Of all the pretty romantic flights you have delighted in, this was certainly one of the most extraordinary. But to say nothing of what fires us all with indignation against you, your owning your prepossession in a villain's favour, and your impertinence to me and your sister and your uncles, one of which has given it you home, child. How can you lay at Mrs. Solmes's door the usage you so bitterly complain of? You know, lesser fool as you are, that it is your fondness for loveless that has brought upon you all these things, and which would have happened whether Mrs. Solmes had honoured you with his addresses or not. As you must needs know this to be true, consider, pretty witty miss, if your fond, lovesick heart can let you consider, what a fine figure all your expostulations with us and charges upon Mrs. Solmes make. With what propriety do you demand of him to restore to you your former happiness, as you call it, and merely call it, for if you thought our favour so, you would restore it to yourself? Since it is yet in your own power to do so, therefore, Miss Pert, none of your pathetics, except in the right place, depend upon it, whether you have Mrs. Solmes or not, you shall never have your heart's delight, the vile rake loveless, if our parents, if our uncles, if I can hinder it. No, you fallen angel, you shall not give your father and mother such a son, nor me such a brother, in giving yourself that profligate wretch for a husband. And so set your heart at rest, and lay aside all thoughts of him, if ever you expect forgiveness, reconciliation, or a kind opinion from any of your family, but especially from him who at present styles himself your brother, James Harlow. P.S. I know your neck at letter-writing. If you send me an answer for this, I will return it unopened, for I will not argue with your perverseness in so plain a case. Only once for all I was willing to put you right as to Mr. Solmes, we might think to blame to trouble his head about you. End of letter 33